This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event. So give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view. An endless field of wildflowers. Or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. Hey gang, we're back. This is Red Leg Nation Radio. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. Thanks for joining us again after all this time. You know, for a while now, I've been planning to get this thing up and running again. I was going to do a quick podcast to sort of update everyone where we've been and, you know, what the plans are for Red Leg Nation Radio for the podcast. And earlier today, I saw on uh, on Twitter... Our friends over at Red Reporter, they said they were going to be recording a new episode of their podcast. Uh, subscribe to the Red Lake Nation Radio podcast, please. And also go subscribe to uh, Red Reporter's podcast. Great stuff. Always good stuff. Those are good guys over there. But anyway, it just got me thinking, you know, they're going to do it. Let's just go ahead and do this thing and uh, and get started. Now, I am, you may have noticed, I'm flying solo tonight. And uh, I'm sorry about that. Uh, although, you do get to enjoy this uh, gorgeous uh, southern accent all by myself and nobody else. Exciting, huh? Yeah, I thought so. So, um, a couple things before we get started. Number one, Red Leg Nation Radio is still very much alive, I do promise. Uh, we're going to get back into the swing of things very soon and uh, talk about this uh, this fun season. The second thing is, there's a really good reason, I promise, there's a really good reason that we haven't recorded a podcast uh, in a little while. Now, I, I, I can't wait to be able to tell you all about it. Can't just yet. Can't tell you about it just yet, but I promise there's a good reason. It's exciting stuff, I think, uh, for the future of Red Lake Nation and and something we'll definitely be talking about in future podcasts. Now, is that enough of a teaser for you? Uh, I thought so. Now, the first thing that I mentioned uh, up above there was that the Red Lake Nation radio is still very much alive, and it is, and I'm looking forward to getting back to talking about the Reds with you guys, but th- you know that, that might be a bad thing. So I, you know, I want to go ahead and apologize off the top. Do you really want to hear anybody talking about the Reds these days? Rough season, eh? Uh, you you know maybe you needed our help to uh, sort of dig through the uh, pathetic first uh, you know forty six games of the season. I think we're at forty six now. Yeah, the Reds are fifteen and thirty one. Pretty good, huh? Uh, on a pace, I figured it out uh, earlier today. On a pace to go fifty nine. No, 53 and 109. No, they're not on a pace to win 59 games. That's optimistic. 53 and 109. And what's crazy to me, first of all, about that is that that's awful. It would be by far the worst uh, season in, in Reds history. They're not even the worst team in the majors. They're not even one of the two worst teams in the majors right now. There's th- third worst. There are two teams that are they're worse right now. Obviously, it's the uh, the Braves, Atlanta Braves, and the Minnesota Twins, each of whom have only won 
12 games as of the recording of this fine audio product that uh, you're listening to right now. So, hey, there's something to be optimistic about, right? We're not as bad as two of the most historically inept teams in the history of baseball. So, no, that's not very exciting, and, you know, it is what it is. Reds are awful so far this year. It's been even worse than I thought. You know, I said before the season, I mean, we all knew they were going to be bad. Everybody knew that. Well, I'm not sure from from uh, reading uh, some of the angry comments on Twitter that everyone knew, but everyone should have known they were going to be bad. And I did say before the season, and probably not very wisely so, that, that not only did I not think they were going to lose 100 games, I thought there was a decent chance they wouldn't lose 90 games this year. I mean, I, they're going to be below 500, I figured. I, you know, I didn't, number one, I didn't realize how bad injuries were going to kill them, especially to the pitching staff, um, but also to uh, everyday players, as we'll talk about in a moment. And the other thing was I could not have imagined. I don't think anyone could have imagined. I hope Red's management didn't have any idea how bad the bullpen would be. And the bullpen's not the only problem with this team, but it's a problem. And it's I've never seen anything like it. And we'll talk about that in just one moment. So, But but how bad are, are the Reds this year? You know, I looked at that uh, earlier this week and went back and looked at some of the earlier uh, bad Reds teams. And if the season ended as it, you know, as we are now, it would it would be the worst, not only the most losses the Reds have ever had, but the worst winning percentage that the team had ever had. Previous worst season, I think everyone sort of believes that 1982 was the worst season the Reds have ever have ever had. And and it's not a bad choice. Uh, you know, it's certainly top five, top four, as I'm looking at it. The Reds lost 101 games that year. So that's why everyone says, oh, that's the worst. That's the worst. Now, I don't want to discount that 1982 season. I don't want to underrate how bad it was, especially if you were a kid uh, like I was just getting into baseball and that was one of the teams you cut your teeth on. That's pretty pretty sad. But the 1934 Reds. Now, if any of you remember the 1934 Reds, you need to get in touch with me. Okay, we'll have you on the podcast in a future episode. 1934 Reds went 52 and 99. Winning percentage of 344. Still not as bad as the current winning percentage, but bad enough, I would say. And uh, the second worst team in Reds history, 1937, just three years later, 56 and 98. So pretty, pretty, pretty bad teams there. Uh, the 2015 Reds were 12th. That was last year's. They lost 98 games because they won 64. Longer season now than it was back then, three ninety five winning percentage, and I, again, like I like I wrote earlier this week, I don't know why we would call that a winning percentage. Very little winning going on. But when I look back at some of these bad teams, because I'm constantly trying to find a reason to be optimistic, and it's tough sometimes. You guys know that uh, with this Reds franchise over the last twenty years, we've had a, a really pretty good run. There for a while uh, in the from 2010 to 2013, but other than that, it's been pretty uh, pretty barren since uh, since '95, uh, even '99, which was a fun season. The Reds didn't make it into the playoffs, so I went back and looked to see uh, you know how the Reds compare. How does this bad Reds team compare? And 
it doesn't. It's not looking too, too good. It's not shaping up uh, very good, especially if the Reds end up losing a hundred this year. It's going to be one of the worst back-to-back, maybe the uh, worst back-to-back seasons in franchise history, and that's pretty bad. I don't know. You know, nineteen. Uh, let's see, thirty-two and thirty-three were pretty bad. Lost ninety-four and ninety-four games uh, each of those seasons in one hundred fifty-four game seasons. That's pretty bad. But when I looked back at it, there were really two eras that were really bad. And and the first one was actually uh, 1913 to 1916. 1913 to 1916, you know, the worst season in there was 1914, where they lost 94. 1916, they lost 93. But they lost 89 and 83 in the other two of those seasons. And, uh, of course, 1916, when they lost... What I say, they went sixty and ninety-three. Uh, three years later, world champions. The other bad uh, stretch was nineteen twenty-nine to nineteen thirty-seven, and that, this was an awful. This was an awful season from nineteen thirty to nineteen thirty-four. Actually, those five seasons, all of those rank among the nine worst seasons in club history. Five in a row. Now, you think we have it bad now? Let's try living. Try living in that time. Uh, first of all, you likely wouldn't be with us now, and if you were, you would. Uh, be finishing up your uh, span as a Reds fan with another another poor team, but those five in a row never won more than thirty nine percent of their percent of their games, and of course nineteen thirty seven was uh, the next uh, second worst season by winning percentage in Reds history, and of course two years after that the Reds were National League champions, and then one year after that. The Reds won the World Series, so you know as I wrote, such a, uh, a, a brilliant prediction here, and you need to really hold me to this. Um, it seems based on history that the Reds are going to win the World Series within a couple of years or within three years. So um, I think you can probably take that to the bank, but don't really take that to a bank. So you know, uh, obviously I'm jo- I was joking about guaranteeing uh, guaranteeing a win. I do still feel like this Reds team is in a better position than were, uh, for example, the 2001 Reds. You know, 1999 Reds had that great run and, and lost in the, the uh, one-game playoff to the Mets. And then uh, 2000, the winning record again. And then 2001 on, just a mess. Just a mess until the 2010 championship team. And, you know, I'm not telling you all anything that you don't know. Uh, you were there. You lived through it, um, unless you're a very recent Reds fan. And if you are, you know, lucky you. You've, m- most of the time you've been following the Reds, they've been pretty good. Uh, you don't know what to, what to ex- expect here. You don't know. Uh, you've not lived through something like these last uh, year and a half. But, you know, you look back at those old teams, and they just were not well-constructed, number one. And, you know, Carl Lindner was the owner at the time and a, and a great guy. He's, he's been a, a great philanthropist. We've talked about Linder on the podcast uh, many times uh, while he was uh, even uh, even still owned the team. And um, you can't say anything bad about. Well, I'm sure you can say bad things about him. I don't. I don't know the guy personally, so I'm not going to say anything bad about him. But he wasn't as willing as uh, Bob Castellini, the current ownership group. Uh, Linder wasn't as willing to spend money, and so I think that's that's number one. I'll start there. I think Castellini's proven that he will open the checkbook 
if he thinks it, there's a chance that it's going to make the Reds competitive because he wants he likes to win. He's a fan. Now, obviously, we can argue about whether or not he spent money wisely on certain things. A lot of you will argue the Homer Bailey deal was not wise. There are good arguments that say it wasn't wise. Um, and I, I don't discount any of those arguments. I think that there's, had he been healthy, there's a very good chance that Homer Bailey would have earned every penny of that deal. But there are arguments. Uh, the Brandon Phillips deal, probably not very wise, probably based on emotion. Um, Phillips may end up you know, being worth what he's getting paid uh, by the end of that deal. It may not be as bad as it looked initially. I don't know. It's going to be close. Probably not wise to sign a second baseman to a long-term deal at his age. But that is what it is. Uh, you, we can argue. Everybody's going to argue about Joey Votto as well. Uh, and should we have signed Cueto to another extension? Uh, we can argue about all that. Okay, I've got my opinions. And uh, I've shared my opinions to the consternation of many. But the, the point here is that Castellani's not shy about opening up the checkbook. So, I mean, I think that's where we're in a different position, number one. That's the first place we're in a different position than the Reds were way back when we were suffering through the uh, the early 2000s. What do you call that? You know, the 80s, the 90s, the aughts? I, still, I don't know that we ever settled on what you call that. I guess now's the tens again, or the teens. I don't know. Um, see, now you made me lose my train of thought. Stop uh, distracting me. So this, the, the other reason why I think, uh, or one of the other reasons why I think the Reds are in a better position, I guess in a position not to have this a long 2001 all the way to 2010, a big long span of being bad. First of all, the Reds haven't had that many spans in history where they've been that bad for that long. Uh, you know, there have been a couple. But I think that the Reds are in a better position right now than they were in 2001. Or really, two thousand two, which is the sort of the same span of the uh, of the rebuild process. In that, the Reds have a number of very good uh, prospects that are about to come up, mostly on the pitching side. And when you think about that pitching, back in the uh, the aughts, you know the Jimmy Haynes's and the Jimmy Andersons and the Jose Acevedo's and you know that uh, the Chris Reitzmas and you know some guys that maybe did a good thing here and there, but mostly it was bargain basement pitching. And the Reds now have, you know, I could probably count nine guys that if five of them pan out, you've got to start in row, or really four, because Bailey's going to be around for a little bit longer. Uh, if they pan out, then, you know, we're going to be in good shape. And, you know, we're talking about Rosella Iglesias, I think, is if he can stay healthy. And these are big ifs. I know pitchers, you can't, trust uh, that they're going to stay healthy. I, I understand. That's why I'm saying if you take all these guys, you may get, heck, even if you only get three of them that can stay healthy out of, you know, Iglesias and Anthony DiScalfani and Robert Stevenson and Cody Reed. And and then you got the guys uh, who, even if they don't make the rotation, guys like Brandon Finnegan, who looked great this week, uh, went toe-to-toe with Clayton Kershaw. And, and, you know, Brendan Finnegan is just barely worse than Clayton Kershaw based upon the results of that one nothing game. Uh, there's another uh, guarantee for you. You know, Finnegan and, and Michael Lorenzen and, you know, even guys like Moscott and, uh, boy, Daniel Wright that pitched uh, against the Dodgers, made his Major League debut, shows a lot of, you know, he hammers the strike zone. 
you know, just a, and he was a guy that wasn't even uh, expected to be a whole lot. So there are a number of guys that even if they don't pan out, John Lamb, I didn't mention John Lamb. Uh, they've got uh, Amir Garrett. Yeah, he, I keep he, I keep thinking of him as the St. John's basketball player. Um, he's given up basketball for baseball, thank goodness, but left-hander that, uh, that throws hard and I won't be able to forgive him for being a St. John's basketball player. It's going to take me a while to forget that and get over it. But if he starts winning games for the Reds, I'll be okay. But there's just there's a big group there that I think, number one, can shore up this rotation pretty quickly because a lot of these guys are either already ready when you think about guys like Iglesias and DiSclafani and, you know, Stevenson and Reed are just on the cusp that could fix this rotation immediately when they get healthy. But also can fix this bullpen. And, and the bullpen has been disastrous, as you know. Uh, and I want to go over uh, some of the performances of the Reds quickly uh, here in just one moment, so I'll get into the bullpen in a little bit. But I think that's a big difference in what we had to uh, go through in the in the early 2000s. There was never a big group of prospects close. Most of them are pitching now, prospects. We do have uh, Jesse Winker, who I think has got a chance to be an outstanding uh, player for the Reds. We've got uh, Jose Peraza, I think, is... I mean, that guy's going to be a player. You know, Eugenio Suarez is you know up and down a little bit this year, but I think has a chance to be on the next good Reds team. So there are some young position players. But it, if you just look at the pitching side, man, it just seems to me like we're just in a different different position than we were in 2001, 2002. Uh, and it really wasn't until, you know, Cueto and Bailey came up and then we started getting the Bruces and the, uh, and the Vados coming up that the Reds really started pushing into that 2010 championship team. So I think we're a little bit closer to, you know, 2006, 2007 maybe. I think if, and here's the big if, if the front office makes the right moves. Because there are places they're going to have to fill in. There are places they're going to have to upgrade, places they're going to have to improve. And how they execute on that is going to be telltale whether or not they can take this moment where they really, I think, have a chance to be competitive within a couple years. I really do believe that. Uh, or at least start uh, getting back to being competitive. They could also screw it up. I mean, they could. Um, I I like what I hear from Dick Williams, the guy that's going to be the, the, the full-time GM next year after Jockety steps into the into the shadows. But, but there's, you know, there are good arguments that he's not going to be uh, the guy we need. He's not uh, Theo Epstein, certainly, but he seems to be open-minded, and I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. So, again, trying to be optimistic, hey, you know, we could be could be okay in a couple of years. On the other hand, well, they, you know, if they make the wrong decisions, but and I'll probably criticize because that's what we do, right? It's a it's a critical society. We like to criticize the the people that are uh, in the arena. What would I do? I don't know. You know, I, I, I probably, I probably put have Parazza at short. Maybe not right this very second because that goes or it's been amazing. But I think long term, Parazza at short, move Suarez over to second. You know, Adam Duvall has been uh, he's got some power anyway. He's been decent. His uh, natural position, I believe, is third base. Move him there. Get Winker in left field. Hamilton's Hamilton. Can't hit, but he's just unbelievably fun to watch with the glove. Right field, I don't know. Uh, Steve at, uh, at redlegnation.com had a really interesting post last week about 
whether the Reds should sign Jay Bruce to an extension. I don't know if I do that. Oh, I love Jay, and I probably would because I'm a fan. You know, I'm, I'm not as, I'm not objective enough probably to make the right decision uh, on that. I like Jay. I like what he's done for the Reds. I'll never forget being in the ballpark uh, on September 28, 2010, for what they call clinchmas when he hit that big home run to clinch the division championship. I mean, you know, those are things that matter to me that shouldn't matter to the guys making the decision on the club. And it matters to me because it's a great memory in my life and because I don't have to make those decisions. I can just be a fan. But if I'm being objective and, and trying to you know, say what would I do, you know, you know, Bruce is having a good year, having an outstanding year, uh, his best year in some time. Uh, if you look at it, hitting... Uh, 264, 319 on base, 507 slugging, 118 OPS plus. He's got eight homers, 28 RBIs. I mean, what do you, what, do you, what more do you want out of the guy? 29 year old. Um, I'll take that production out of him. 826 OPS. I'll take that. Do you sign him to an extension? I don't know. He might be okay for the next three years. He also might, uh, since he's hitting well, be a, an excellent trade chip. Maybe maybe he's an asset now. Maybe he's rebuilt his uh, trade value and then get something uh, something that'll help him for the next seven years, eight years, rather than just the next three. So those are yeah. I don't know what's out there. I don't know what the market's like. Those are the decisions that uh, that the Reds are going to have to make. And uh, and I don't envy them. But if they can execute some of these uh, make some of these decisions well, I think they've got a chance that there's enough pitching right now. That they can be competitive. I'm not promising you a world championship. Actually, I did promise you a world championship in three years. How do I work myself out of this box? Um, no, I mean, really. You know, I I think there's a very good chance that even in uh, 2018, they could be a competitive team, an above 500 team. May not be a playoff team, but I think uh, if they're back to an above 500 team, that's a pretty substantial improvement, and I think that's plenty. I'd be happy with that. I just like seeing a competitive Reds team with a chance every once in a while to take that next step. Uh, and, and a topic I think of a future podcast is going to be how we seriously, criminally underrate the 2010 to 2013 Reds. One of the best spans of, uh, uh, of Reds success that this franchise has ever seen. And, and people are like, are you crazy? You know, they never got out of the division series. You're insane. I think I can make that case. I mean, just uh, those were three of those four years were really uh, outstanding teams. And you're telling me you wouldn't like to have that 90 win 2013 team everyone complained about? I'd take that. And a lot of good uh, personalities. A lot of, you know, mostly fun to, fun to watch some of those teams, even if Dusty Baker uh, frustrated us sometimes. So, anyway, those are some of my thoughts as to why the Reds may be, I don't know, a little closer. A little closer to competing than what most people seem to believe, and and if you believe the Reds are seven years from competing, I can't argue with you. They lost ninety eight games last year. They're in the process of uh, they're on the pace now to lose a hundred and nine. I don't think that'll happen. They've never lost that many before, obviously. But uh, I saw some of the uh, you know Dan Zim- Zimborski. I, you know I don't know if I've ever said that name out loud, but uh, he does the zips forecasting and uh which is a great uh a great tool and i was looking earlier today he had his projections for the rest of the season and he had the reds and and braves both at losing 102 games 
So uh, 102 versus 109, I don't know. If you're going to lose 102, you might as well lose 109 and get that number one pick, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if they lose 102 right after year of 98, 200 losses in two seasons, yeah, I'm not going to shut you down if you argue that the Reds are not in a position to compete in a couple of years. I think if they execute, they can compete. I think that we'll just have to wait and see. I don't know, but I, but I just feel like there's hope. Whereas there was, in retrospect, we should have had very little hope back in 2002, 2003, because they just weren't doing the right things. Are they doing the right things now? Uh, we, you know, like I said, we can argue both sides of that. So, so you know, stay, uh, stay hopeful. I guess is, would be my suggestion. But if you're not, I can't argue with you, and I can't uh, can't dismiss being upset at, at some of the decisions that have been made the last few years. There, there's an argument on both sides of that. I guess what's happened so far this year in terms of high spots. I wanted to look really quickly at. Uh, the bright spots, and there have been very few, but you know who has been one is Zach Cozart. What about Zach Cozart? Last year started off the season great. Uh, we started uh, beating the drum for him to be a possible all-star candidate, and he had that horrific knee injury at first base, stepping on first base and out for the year, and, and, and I openly wondered whether or not he'd be able to come back and play defense. That's what I was worried about. I, nobody thought he was as good a hitter as he showed in that, you know, short period that he played last year when he, when he was hitting very well. And he came back this year and kept hitting, just like he was. But what surprised me, and not more, I guess the fact that he's still hitting, even though it's only been, you know, he's only played uh, 37 games, is his defense has been outstanding. I really worried that if he lost a step, it was going to really... Uh, Drop his value as a defender. Cozart's always been one of the best defensive players, defensive shortstops in baseball. For my money, I love the guy. He makes all the easy plays. He makes lots of great plays. He's, you know, he's Brandon Phillips. He's a young Brandon Phillips in a lot of ways, even though he's not young. He's thirty now. Um, but his defense has been good. His offense has been off the charts uh, in some ways, for in terms of what we expect from him. That on base percentage is only three twenty two, which is not great for guys leading off. Although, listen, we've lived through Billy Hamilton and Willie Tavares and Corey Patterson at leadoff, so a three twenty two on base percentage seems just amazing to me. But that's what concerns me, I guess, in terms of that being sustainable, is that three twelve batting average is powering that on-base percentage, so he's just very reluctant. That's one way to put it, very reluctant to take a walk, four walks all season. Um, but he's slugging five eighteen is a... You know, his OPS is 840. He's got the best, across the board, best offensive numbers on the team. And uh, I really hope, and again, here's my, I'm putting my fan hat back on. I really hope that Zach Cozart gets a chance to play in the All-Star game this year. He's been a, he's been a good red, a, a sort of dedicated red all these years. He's been a great defender that has taken some, some of the slings and arrows a little bit because he hasn't hit well. As a matter of fact, some of those years just... Billy Hamilton level bad hitting, and but he's always been amazing defensively, and people don't always recognize that. And so I'd like to see him get recognized. He's had a good Reds career, whether it's coming to an end soon, as it may be. He's into his thirties, uh, and he's another guy whose trade value has got to be high. Teams like the White Sox have to be looking for a shortstop. Uh, and as an aside, uh, 
the White Sox found him a third baseman, didn't they, in the offseason. I'm happy to see Todd Frazier hitting home runs and, and start to swing the bat overall very well recently. Love Todd Frazier. But uh, good for Kozar. Vote Zach. You know, you're doing your all-star voting, vote Zach. Let's get him in the all-star game because he's been outstanding. And offensively, you know, I told you about Bruce, but really the only other person that's been above water has been Adam Duvall. And Duvall has been good. You know, no complaints about Duvall. Uh, his on-base percentage is 294. His play discipline is not great. But, man, when you hit nine home runs out in left field, um, and, and he's got 12 doubles, you know, 31 extra base hits out of his, uh, if I could count, it would be 31. But someone who's good at math would say 21 extra base hits out of his 35 total hits. And that's, that's, that's amazing. That's a crazy total. So, love Duvall. Um, he is what he is. He's not been awful defensively, but uh, how optimistic am I trying to be? I wonder if he could play third because Suarez, who started off very hot at the plate, has been miserable at third base. And I've given him a lot of slack. He's just learning. the. It's the first time he's ever played it, really. Played a few games in the low minors. I mean, he's learning the position, and it's hard. But he's not given us a lot to be encouraged by. Um, I wonder if moving him back to short or over to second. And that's something else that uh, Steve uh, from uh, from Red Leg Nation has suggested a, a little bit. Moving back over there. And I, I tend to agree. I actually thought, because I was so worried about Kozart, I thought they would have left him at short and uh, tried to move Kozart or Kozart. Shows how much I know. See? That shows how much I know. I thought Kozart should be on the bench this year for Suarez at short. Um. So, offensively, that's about it. It's been pretty ugly. Now, on the pitching side of it, not a whole lot to talk about. Brandon Finnegan's been okay. I don't have any uh, complaints about him. Um, Rosella Iglesias was good before he got hurt. Tim Adelman, of all people, before he got hurt, he was good. And what a good story. Uh, just a great story, Adelman. Uh, see, Trent Rosecrans wrote a great piece about Adelman in the in the Inquirer. If you get a chance, to go back and look at that at uh, at their website. Just a really interesting story, and, and he was good. And I hated to see him get hurt because he's finally getting a chance, you know. Um, of course, everybody else was hurt as well. The best starting pitcher, Dan Straley. I love it, you know, sort of a cast off who had, uh, and I'm not sure why he was a cast off because he was a, you know, I don't know. I felt like he was a guy that could still contribute to a team. I still think he could be in the bullpen for the next good Reds team. But uh, 2.85 ERA in seven uh, starts, you know, good stuff. He's been great. Uh, Alfredo Simon, I wasn't going to mention him. Good grief, get rid of that guy for a million different reasons. But how about this reason? After he his eighth start... His ERA is 10.16. So I think there's a million reasons that they shouldn't have signed Alfredo Simon and that they should dump him now. That ERA is uh, one of them. Of course, I, you know, at this point, they can't really dump him because who are they going to replace him with until some of these guys start getting back from injury? I would expect him to be released once uh, some of these guys start coming back from the disabled list. But the story of the Reds pitching staff, you know what it is. I know what it is. This bullpen has been, oh my goodness. I, I literally laugh about it. It's literally, because we know the Reds aren't going to be good this year, it's literally uh, laugh-worthy to see how they're going to blow a game 
next? You know, I mean, they've got a guy in their bullpen, the Reds do. This is how bad it is. They have a guy in their bullpen who has appeared in 21 games, and he's still on the roster. He's still in the major leagues, appeared in 21 games, more than all but two other uh, pitchers on the team, who has an ERA of 7.04. That's Caleb Cotham, uh, who had, you know, he, he did okay early in the year, did real well, actually, at the beginning, but this guy has got an ERA of 7.04, and they can't get rid of him. They can't send him to AAA because there's nobody down there to bring up. It's just, it's, it's the, you know, they set the major league record for giving up runs in the most consecutive games ever, and so, as I always say, if you're going to be bad, might as well be historically bad, but it's just a disaster. The good news there, I guess, is that that's, you know, the bullpen is something that can be fixed, and relatively inexpensively. And I, I do think that once some of these starting pitchers that are, are prospects come up, and some of them are not necessarily going to pan out, uh, Michael Lorenzen in one, you know, I like the guy. I hope he turns into a great starting pitcher, but he closed in college, and he's a guy that, you know, could end up being a good reliever. Uh, in the major leagues. I tend to think Brandon Finnegan actually may stick in in the rotation. I've been a little more optimistic about that than most. But even if he doesn't, that guy's got a, you know, stuff that's that's born for the bullpen that'd be be fantastic. So, you know, I think they're fine. Not this year. They're awful, but I'm trying to be optimistic, I guess. So, you know, that's sort of where we are right now with the Reds. And uh, I think there is a lot for us to talk about over the coming months about what's going on and and I've teased something interesting I want to tell you all about here in the next few weeks Uh, we'll get to that at some point but stick with us I think uh, we're going to have some fun here on Red Lake Nation Radio and actually some of these bad years it's a little sometimes even more interesting to talk about where the team is and where they're going because there's so many possibilities so many decisions that have to be made and, and, and so many different opinions about what the right thing is to do and so I think we're going to have some fun look forward to it Uh, you know Tell your friends uh, to go sign up. Go to iTunes and uh, subscribe to the podcast. Go to redlegnationradio.com, and there's links there to subscribe through whatever podcast tool you use to download your podcast so that you get them automatically. Those of you who are already subscribed that haven't, that haven't unsubscribed in our hi- during our hiatus, you'll get this one first because we may not post it for a, for a little while at Red Leg Nation. But go and... Uh, Subscribe, tell everybody about it. We're, we're going to be back at you. And uh, even if we're just talking about how historically bad the Reds are, I think we're going to have fun doing it. So appreciate you listening. Next week we'll be back with uh, not just me and, and my ridiculous opinions, but some people who actually know something. So uh, as always, thank you very much for listening to us, taking time. you got plenty of things you can be doing in your time, and instead you're listening to me, and I do appreciate that. It's, honestly, we really do appreciate uh, you listening to us? Go on Twitter at uh, Redleg Nation. Um, you can follow me at Dotson C D O T S O N C. And and if you've got questions, things you want us to talk about, send those to us, and we will uh, we'll get back at you maybe on a future podcast. So I started to say for whoever my guest is, and I don't have one this week, but uh, for me, Chad. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.